Hello and welcome to the Idiot Book Nook. My name is Blazewing, my pronouns are she, her, and they, them. I am the Reading Dragon and my pronouns are she, her. I am Lady Punnett. What did I stop on? And your pronouns are severely distracted. I I don't believe in pronouns. Pronouns. What is that? This is perfect. My pronouns are primarily she, her. Sometimes they, them. Although I am very femme today, it is a they, them kind of day. Good. Yeah. And I'm clear shy. Mm. Uh, pronouns are mostly she, her, sometimes they, them. And this is Grim. He's going to be all past all day today. Me. Also, Lady Punnett. Mm. Even though you're femme, you're still a them. Yep. Yep. Femi, demi. <clears throat> Just am, saying. I am, a, I am a bunch of goblins. In a trench coat? In a trench coat, yep. We need yep. to get you a trench coat now. The bird, I have a trench coat! The bird One is second. the main character. Yes, Grim is the main character. Actually, if you look at our podcast logo, we had it, uh, Lady Punnett designed it, so Grim is actually in our podcast logo. He's in <clears throat> each iteration of our podcast logo, yep. and we did that on purpose. Yeah. Um, with that, however, we're back to book reading today. Ooh. We're doing I'm now in a trench coat. There you go. We're doing the Queen's Thief series, or at least book one of it. But before we get into that, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so at linktr.ee slash idiot book nook. You'll be able to find links to all of our individual uh, socials. You'll be able to find links to our podcast, to our YouTube channel, and all of that glorious, glorious stuff. Don't forget that starting this episode, we have moved back to Wednesdays at 9 a.m. And you guys get Ugh. a hell of a pre-show because none of us are awake when we start this early in the morning. Whee! So you're welcome to come and join us for a little chit-chat before and possibly after, depending on how we're feeling. And you get to watch us record live. And we also get to get back to our discussion portions, which I'm not going to lie, I've been missing. Right? Yeah. Well, with that being said, this is episode 90 of the Idiot Book Nook. We are 10 episodes away from 100. Uh, and woo. we have a new narrator as usual. As you guys know, we do round robin with our with our uh, narration. So I will narrate a book, and then Dragon narrates a book, and then Lady Punnett narrates a book, and then and now it's Critter's turn to narrate a book. Question. Woo. Yes. Question. Question. Yes. Will Grimm ever get to narrate a book? I don't think so, unfortunately. Probably not. I, I'm but sure he'll I, I'm sure he'll squawk along with me once in a while. He, he might try. Just like he tries to sing. Yeah. It might it might be a new avenue we can look into. <laughs> a book reading for birds. Lorb says narrated by a bird. Lorb says you have to teach him to read. It's book reading for birds where we teach birds how to read. With that, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Narrator, are yeah. you ready? 
as ready as I'll ever be. Because I believe this is your first official narration, so... It is. I have a physical copy, so we can do a quick compare as well, just to make sure we get the right book. Yeah, so yeah. if you take a look in the PDFs section of the server. Yeah, I already got it. It's already up. I'm already at chapter one. I didn't know how long I um, had been in the... Just send me a send me a DM behind the scenes. Who me? Oh, dragon. All right, narrator, are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready? What the fuck are you doing now, computer? <laughs> Welcome to ADHD stream. Brought to you by what the fuck was that and holy shit why am I doing this? Yeah, Sponsored no. by our medication to help handle ADHD symptoms even though they don't work half the time. If they're sponsoring this stream, why the fuck aren't they paying me? Yeah. Can we get sponsored by ADHD medications? I don't know, but if they I want to sponsor, they should probably pay me money. Right? What if they pay us in our prescriptions? <laughs> Not quite the same. If they pay me money, then I can afford the prescriptions. Ah. <laughs> oh. Lorb says sponsored by Adderall. I don't take Adderall. I take Vyvanse. Concerta! Concerta right. for all your concerns. Hey. But it doesn't work with rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Nope. nope. Alright. That shit we get for free. Even though we don't want it. Yeah. Stupid brain. Alright, narrator. Stupid take it brain. away. But I want to complain about ADHD more. <laughs> I know you do. We can, we can complain after we're done podcast. Yeah. Fine. I'll tell you what, after the next break, someone redeem a rant. Please. Alright. As always, we're going to figure out who's reading what as we go, and this time we plan to write things down, so please bear with us. <laughs> plan to. We'll see how it works. Did we decide who's writing the rules? Please. Okay. I did a nose goes. Right. Alright. I didn't know it goes at the last minute. Like a little like like a little shit. <laughs> I didn't know how long I had been in the king's prison. The days were all the same, except that each one passed. Except that as each one passed, I was dirtier than before. Every morning, the light in the cell changed from the wavering orange of the lamp in the sconce outside my door to the dim but even glow of the sun failing, falling into the prison's central court courtyard. Sorry, guys, it's going to take me a bit to get my stride. In the evening, as the sun faded, I reassured myself that I was one day closer to getting out. To pass time, I concentrated on pleasant memories, laying them out in order and examining them carefully. I reviewed over and over the plan that had been, that had seemed so straightforward before I arrived in jail, and I swore to myself and every god I knew that if I got out alive, I would never, never, never take any risks 
that were so abysmally stupid again. I was thinner than I had been when I was arrested. The large iron, iron ring around my waist was, had grown loose, but not loose enough to fit over the bones of my hips. Few prisoners were chained in their cells, only those the, the king particularly disliked, counts or dukes, or the ministers of the exchequer. When he told the king there wasn't any more money to, be, to spend, I was certainly none of those things, but I suppose it's safe to say that the king disliked me. Even if he didn't remember my name, or whether I was as common as dirt, he didn't want me slipping away. So I had chains on my ankles as well, as the iron belt around my waist, and an entirely useless set of chains locked around my wrists. At first, I pulled the cuffs off my wrists, but since I sometimes had to force them back on quickly, my wrists started to rub raw. After a while, it was less painful to just leave the manacles on. To take my mind off my daydreams, I practiced moving around the cell without clanking. I had enough chain to allow me to pace in an arc from the front of the corner of the cell to the center of the room and back to the rear corner. My bed was there at the back, a bench made of stone with a thin bag of sawdust on top. Beside it was the chamber pot. There was nothing else in the cell except myself and the chain and, twice a day, food. The cell door was a gate of bars. The guards looked in at me as they passed on their rounds, a tribute to my reputation. As part of my plans for greatness, I had bragged without shame about my skills in every wine store in the city. I had wanted everyone to know that I was the finest thief since mortal men were made, and I must have come close to accomplishing the goal. Huge crowds had gathered for my trial. Most of the guards in the prison had turned out to see me after my arrest, and I was endlessly chained to my bed when other prisoners were sometimes allowed the freedom and sunshine of the prison courtyard. There was one guard who always seemed to catch me with my head in my hands, and he always laughed. All right, who's going to be our main character? Or, no, wait. No, that's, that's the guard. Yeah, the guard. What? He would say. Haven't you escaped, you escaped yet? yet? Also, hold on. Also. We have an echo. Oh, hold on. From Dragon, I think. Let me pop back in real quick. We're left on his head. Grand start this morning. Not quite unattended. Not long enough. What? He would say. Haven't you escaped yet? Every time he laughed, I spat insults at him. It was not politic, but as always, I couldn't keep an insult in when it wanted to come out. Whatever I said, the guard laughed more. I ached with cold. It had been early in the spring when I had been arrested and dragged out of the Shade Oak wine shop. Outside the prison walls, the summer heat must have dried out the city, 
and driven everyone indoors for afternoon naps. But the prison cells got no direct sun and they were as damp and cold as when I had first arrived. I spent hours dreaming of sunshine, the way it soaked into the city walls and made the yellow stones hot to lean on hours after the day had ended. The way it dried out water spills and the rare libations to the gods still occasionally poured into the dust outside the wine shops. Sometimes I moved as far as my chains would let me and looked through the bars of my cell door and across the deep gallery that shaded the prison cells at the sunlight falling into the courtyard. The prison was two stories of cells stacked one on top of the other. I was in the upper level. Each cell opened onto the gallery and the gallery separated from the courtyard by stone pillars. There were no windows in the outside walls, which were three and or four feet thick, built of massive stones that 10 men together couldn't have shifted. Legend said that the old gods had stacked them together in a day. The prison was visible from almost anywhere in the city because the city was built on a hill and the prison was at the summit. The only other building there was the king's home, his Megaron. There, there had also been a temple to the old gods once, but it had been destroyed, and the basilica to the new gods was built further down the hill. Is there a ghost? No. Critter, why do you have to have little critters? I believe I was once called a brood mother. Anyway. <laughs> Critter, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Are you sure? Anyway. Blink twice if you need help. Plus one. I'm okay. <laughs> Once the king's home had been, oh no, wait. Yeah, once the king's home had been a true Megaron, one room with a throne and an earth, and the prison had been the Agora, where citizens met and the merchants hawked their jungle. The individual cells had been stalls of clothes or wine or candles or jewelry imported from the islands. Prominent citizens used to stand on the stone blocks in the courtyard to make speeches. Then the invaders had come with their long boats and their own ideas of commerce. They did their training in open markets next to their ships. They had taken over the king's Megaron for their governor and used the solid stone building of the Agora as a prison. Prominent citizens ended up chained to the blocks instead of standing on them. The old invaders were pushed out by new invaders, and in time, Sunis revolved, revolted, and had her own king again. Still, people did their trading down by the waterfront. It had become habit, and the new king continued to use the Agora as a prison. It was useful to him, as he, had, as he was no relation to any of the families that had ruled the cities in the past. 
by the time I ended up there, most of the people in the city had forgotten the prison was ever anything but a holding pen for those who failed to pay their taxes and other criminals. You little fucker, you just shat on my desk. Oh! Grim Cracker! Grimmy. Please hold as we uh, clean up my files. An inch from your food? Yeah, from where my vape was. Oh, shit. Please hold as we clean up a biohazard. Okay, so this episode's gonna require editing. Sorry, that it's... It's not a big deal, I can clean it up later. I was lying on my back in my cell, with my feet in the air wrapped in the chain that led from my waist to a ring high in the wall. It was late at night, the sun had been gone for hours, and the prison was lit by burning lamps. I was weighing the merits of clean clothes versus better food, and not paying attention to the tramp of feet at, outside my cell door. There was an iron door that led from the prison into a guard room at the narrow end of the building. The guards passed through it many times a day. If I heard the door banging, I no longer took any notice of it. So I was unprepared when the lamplight, concentrated by a lens, flared into my cell. I wanted to look lithe and graceful, and perhaps sparrow, as I unwrapped my feet and sat up. Caught by surprise and nearly blinded, I was clumsy and would have fallen off the stone bunk if the chain had not still been wrapped around one foot. Who would like to take the role of our protagonist? So actually... Actually, I think this is another random guard. Oh, in that case. Actually, this would be uh, the Magus. So an important role that's going to recur? Okay, so who would like to take the role of the Magus? I can do it, but is Magus female or male? Male. Oh boy, okay. I gotta get deep in my diaphragm. I got this. <clears throat> is this the right one? The guard. No wonder the voice sounded surprised. I levered myself upright and blinked into the lamplight. Unable to see much, the guard reassured someone that this indeed was the prisoner he wanted. All right. Take him out. The guard said. Yes, Magus. As he unlocked the barred gate, so I knew who it was at my door late at night. One of the king's most powerful advisors. In the days before the invaders came, the king's magus was supposed to have been a sorcerer, but not even the most superstitious believed that anymore. A magus was a scholar. He read scrolls and books in every language and studied everything that had ever been written and things that had never been written as well. If the king needed to know how many shafts of grain grew on a particular acre of land, the magus could tell him. If the king wanted to know how many farmers would starve if he burned that acre of grain, the magus knew that too. His knowledge, matched by his skills of persuasion, gave him the power, of <laughs> gave him the power to influence the king, and that made him a powerful figure at court. 
He'd been at my trial. I had seen him sitting in the gallery behind the judges with one leg crossed over the other and his arms folded over his chest. Once I had disengaged, dis, blah, blah. once I had disentangled myself from the chains, the guards unlocked the rings at my, of, on my feet. Using a key as big as my thumb, they left the manacles on my wrist, but released the chain that attached them to the waist. Then they hauled me to my feet and out of the cell. The Magus looked me up and down and wrinkled his nose, probably at the smell. He wanted to know my name. I said, Jen. He wasn't interested in the rest. Bring him along. He said as he turned his back on me and walked away. All of my own impulses to balance and move seemed to conflict with those of the guard, and I was jerked and jostled down the portico, just as graceful as a sick cat. We crossed through the guardroom to a door that led through the outer wall of the prison to a flight of stone steps and a courtyard that lay between the prison and the south wing of the king's negron. Megaron's walls rose four stories over our heads and on three sides. The king's tiny stronghold had become a palace under the supervision of the invaders and an even larger palace since then. We crossed the courtyard following a guard carrying a lantern to a shorter flight of steps that led up to a door in the wall of the Megaron. On the other side of the door, the white walls of a passageway reflected the light of so many lamps that it seemed as bright as day inside. I threw my head sideways and dragged one arm away from the guard in order to cover my eyes. The light felt solid, like spears that went through my head. Both guards stopped, and the one tried, and <clears throat> and the one tried to grab my arm back, but I dragged it away. The Magus stopped to see what the noise was. Give him some time to let his eyes adjust, he said. It was going to take longer, but the minute helped. I blinked some of the tears out of my eyes, and we started down the passageway again. I kept my head down, and my eyes nearly closed, and didn't see much of the passageways at first. They had marble floors, the baseboards were painted with an occasional patch of lilies and a tortoise or a resting bird. We went up a staircase where, painted, where a painted pack of hunting dogs chased a lion around to a corner, or around a corner to a door where we stopped. The Magus knocked and went in. The guards, with some difficulty, navigated themselves and me through the narrow doorway. I looked around to see who had watched my clumsy entrance, but the room was empty. I was excited. My blood rushed around like wine sloshing in a jar, but I was also deadly tired. The walk up the stairs had felt like a hike up a mountain. Keep going. I know you guys heard that behind the scenes. I have myself muted on stream. Okay. For those, of, for those of you that are listening on stream, my cats are getting into it. Hmm. 
Well, well. Not in the fun way, though. <laughs> They're having a bit of a tussle. Sorry, Sorry to break scene. Sorry. Keep going. My knees wobbled. And as I was glad to have the guards graceless as they were holding me at the elbows, when they let go, I was off balance and had to swing my arms to keep from falling. My chains clanked. I guess. No, wait. Yeah. You can go, the Magus said to the guards. Come take him back in half an hour. Half an hour? My hopes, which had been rising, fell a little. As the guards left, I looked around the room. It was small, with a desk and several comfortable chairs scattered around it. The Magus stood next to the desk. The windows behind him should have looked out on the Megatron's greater cartyard, but the tiny panes of glass only reflected the light of lamps burning outside. I looked again at the chairs. I picked the nicest one and sat in it. The Magus stiffened. His eyebrows snapped down into a single line across the top of his face. They were dark, though most of his hair had gone gray. Get up, he commanded. I leaned further into the feather pillows on the seat and the back of the chair. It was almost as good as clean clothes, and I couldn't have gotten up if I had tried. My knees were weak, and my stomach was considering tossing up a little, I, what little I had recently eaten. The chair back came to just behind my ears, so I rested my head back and looked up my nose at the Magus, still standing at his desk. The Magus gave me a few moments to consider my position before he stepped over to the chair. He leaned down until his nose was just a few inches from mine. I hadn't seen his fare before from this close. He had the high bridge nose of most people in the city, but his eyes were a very light gray instead of brown. His forehead was covered by wrinkles brought on by a lot of sun and too much frowning. I was thinking that he must have done some sort of outdoor work before he started reading books when he spoke. I stopped thinking about his complexion and shifted my gaze to his eyes. We might someday attain a relationship of mutual respect, he said softly. First, I thought... I will see gods walking the earth. He went on. For now, I will have your obedience. His ability to convey a word of threat. Are you okay, Reverb? Pin feathers. Uh, his ability to convey a world of threat in so few words was remarkable. I swallowed and my hands shook a little where they lay on the arms of the chair. One link of chain clinked against another, but I still didn't try to get up. My legs wouldn't have lifted me. He must have realized this, and known also that he had made his point, because he stepped back to lean against his de the desk and waved one hand in disgust. Never mind. Stay there for now. The seat will have to be cleaned. I felt my face getting redder. It wasn't my fault that I stank. 
he should spend some months in the king's prison, and then we'd see if he still smelled like old books and scented soap. He looked me over for several moments more, and didn't seem impressed. I saw you at your trial, he said finally. I didn't say that I'd noticed him there as well. You're thinner. I shrugged. Tell me. Sirens. One moment, folks. Bear with us. Dance break. Such is the uh, downfall of living in a city, unfortunately, so... Yeah. Okay, they've passed. Said the Magus. Have you found yourself reluctant to leave for hospitality? You said at your trial that not even the king's prison could hold you, and I'd rather expected you to be gone by now. He was enjoying himself. I crossed my legs and settled deeper into the chair. He winced. I said, Some things take time. How true, said the Magus. How much time do you think it's going to take? Another half hour, I thought, but I didn't say that either. I think it's going to take a long time, said the Magus. I think it could take the rest of your life. He joked. After all, he joked. When you're dead, you certainly won't be in the king's prison, will you? I suppose not. I didn't think he was funny. You boasted about a lot of things at your trial. Ideal boasts, Idol. I suppose. Idol. Idol. Idol boasts, I suppose. I can steal anything. So you claimed. It was a wager to that effect that landed you in prison. He picked a pen nib off the desk beside him and turned it in his hands for a moment. It's too bad for you that intelligence not always attend gifts such as yours unfortunate for me that it is not your intelligence I am interested in, but your skill, if you are as good as you say you are. I repeated myself. I can steal anything. Except yourself out of the king's prison? Magus asked, lifting only one eyebrow this time. I shrugged. I could do that too, but it would take time. It might take a long time, and I want and I wanted the King's Magus to offer a faster way. Well, you learned how to keep mouth shut, said the Magus. He pulled himself away from his desk and rocked across the room. While his back was turned, I pushed a chair away from my eyes and took in Push the chair from your eyes or push your hair? There's from chairs your in his eyes. Why are there chairs in his eyes? So I was reading and I'm like, this does make sense. What the hell did I just say? Yeah, is we're it, still going to read like for it. Is there like stars in your eyes? Only instead of stars, it's it's shapes of chairs. <laughs> <laughs> we're still going to read for so it. He was so what? 
He was so wondered by the chairs that he got to sit in a nice chair that he now has char- chair-shaped but eye shines. Suddenly, right. chairs got into my eyes. Ah! All right. <laughs> you good, Critter? Love you, Critter. Yeah. Okay. Love you. I'm just reading ahead a little bit so I don't make the same mistake. You're good. Okay. You know we tease out of love. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. While his back was turned, I pushed the hair away from my eyes and took another quick look around the room. It was his study, but I already knew that. There were books and old scrolls and piles on the shelves. There was a scarred bench piled with amphoras and other clay containers. There were glass bottles as well. The end of the room was curtained by an, was a curtained alcove and barely visible under the curtain was a pair of feet in leather boots. I turned back around in my chair with my stomach jumping. You could shorten the time without shortening life, said the Magus. I looked up at him. I'd lost the thread of the conversation. In the moment it took me to recover it, I realized he was now nervous himself. I relaxed in my seat. Go on. I want you to seal something. I smiled. Do you want the king's seal? I can get that for you. If I were you, said the Magus, I'd stop bragging about that. His voice grated. My smile grew. The gold ring with the engraved ruby had been in his safekeeping when I had stolen it away. Losing it, I was sure, had badly damaged his standing at the king's court. He glanced over my shoulder at the curtained alcove, and then he got to the point. There's something I want you to steal. Do this for me, and I'll see that you don't go back to that to the prison. Fail to do this for me, and I will make sure that you don't go back to the prison. Prisoners left the king's prison all the time. Mason, carpenters, blacksmiths. Any skilled craftsman could expect to finish their sentences working for the king's profit. Unskilled workers were collected several times a year and sent to silver mines south of the city. They rarely returned, and other prisoners just disappeared. It was clear enough what the Magus had in mind. So I nodded. What am I stealing? That was all I care about. The Magus dismissed the question. You can find out the details later. What I need to know is that you're capable. But I hadn't been overcome by disease, crippled, or starved beyond uselessness while in prison. I'm capable, I said, but I have to know what I'm stealing. You'll be told, for now, it isn't your business. What if I can't steal it? I thought you could steal anything, he taunted, except myself out of the king's prison. I agreed. Don't try to be smart. The Magus shook his head. You don't pretend well. I opened my mouth to say something I shouldn't have, but he went on. 
I will require some traveling. It will require some traveling to reach my obje object. There will be plenty of time for you to learn about it as go. I sat back in my chair, mollified and delighted. If I got out of the city of Sunis, no one would bring me back. The Magus had to have known exactly what I was thinking, because he Don't. leaned close over me again. Don't think I am a fool. He wasn't a fool. That much was true. But he didn't have my motivation. He leaned back against the desk, and I sat back in my chair, thinking that the gods had listened to my prayers at last. Then I heard the rings on the top of the curtain behind me slide across their rod, and I remembered the two feet in the alcove. My stomach, which had settled a little, began to jump again. The boots stamped across the room, and a hand came over the back of the chair in order to grab me by the hair. The owner of the hand lifted me up as he walked to the front of the chair and held me facing him. Who's going to be our new voice? Don't think that I am a fool either, he said. He was short, just as his father had been, and stocky, his hair was dark, was a dark gold color and curled around his ears. He would have looked effeminate on, it would have looked effeminate on anyone else. It probably endeared him to his mother when he was a child, but there was nothing endearing about him now. My hair was pulling free of my head and I was standing on the tips of my toes to relieve the strain. I put both hands on top of his and tried to push the hand down and found myself hanging entirely off the ground. He dropped me, my legs folded under me, and I sat on the floor with a thump that jarred my entire body. I rubbed my head, trying to push the hair back into my scalp. When I looked up, the king was wiping his hand on the front of his clothes. Get up, he said. I did, still rubbing my head. The king of Sunis was not polished, nor was he an impressive, beer-like man the way kings were in my mother's fairy tales. He was too short and too oily, and a shade too fat to be elegant. But he was shrewd. He routinely doubled his taxes and kept a large army to prevent any rebellion by his citizens. The taxes supported the army, and when the army itself became a threat, he sent it off to fight with his neighbors. Their victories enriched the treasury. The kingdom of Sunis was bigger than it had been any time since the invaders had broken off pieces of it to award to their allies. The king had driven the Atolians out of their land on the Sunis side of the Hephaestial Mountains, forcing them back through the narrow pass through the country of Edis to the Atolian homeland on the far side. There were rumors that he wanted to annex land there, as well as the Atolia was, pe was preparing for an all-out war. Ignoring his magus, Sunis walked over to the bench on the wall beside my chair. He pulled a small casket off of it and carried it to the magus desk, where he tipped its contents out. A cascade of double-heavy co gold coins, a single one, would buy a family's farm and all its livestock. Several pieces fell and rang on the stone floor. 
One landed by my foot and lay staring up at me like a yellow eye. I almost bent to pick it up, but stopped myself and said instead, You okay? I'm fine. Okay. My uncle used to keep that much under his bed and count it every night. Liar, said the king. You've never seen that much gold before in your life. He couldn't know that I'd overstated my overstayed my welcome one night while creeping through his megaron and had crawled up through the space where the pipes and of the Hippocost ran to hide in his treasure room. I had slept for a day in stuffy darkness on the ridge tops of his treasure trunks. Sunus tapped the chest, lying empty on its side in front of him. This is the gold that I'm going to offer as a reward if you fail to bring back what I am sending you for. I'll offer it to anyone from this country or any other who brings you to me. He tipped the casket upright and snapped the lid down. I felt my stomach dropping. It would be hard to outrun a reward like that. I'd be hunted from one end of the world to the other. I'd want you alive, of course, said the king, and carefully described the grisly things that would happen to me when I was captured. I tried to stop listening after the first few examples. But he went on and on, and I was mesmerized like a bird in front of a snake. The Magus stood with his hands across his chest and listened just as carefully. He didn't seem nervous anymore. He must have been satisfied that the king had accepted his plans and that his threat would encourage me in my work. My stomach felt worse and worse. My cell, when I was returned to it, felt warm and safe by comparison to the Magus study. As soon as the guards were gone, I lay down on my stone bench and dumped the king and his threats out of my head without ceremony. They were too unpleasant to worry over anyway. I concentrated on a vision of myself leaving the prison and made myself as comfortable as possible and went to sleep. And thus ends chapter one of the first book of the uh, the Queen's Thief series. And thus ends this episode, episode 90 of the Idiot Book Nook. We hope you've enjoyed this. We'll see you in our next episode for the discussion portion, as usual. Thank you for joining us. My name's Blazewing. I am the Reading Dragon. I'm Witty Planet. And I'm Crittershy. And we'll see you guys for episode 91. Bye. Bye.